Hello, and welcome to the Panda Babes podcast. I'm your host, Kate, and today I am here with my friend Maggie, who is another one of my Reddit group friends. And Maggie is awesome enough to share her birth story with us as well. Hi, Maggie. How are you doing? Hi, Kate. Good. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing great. I'm really excited good. for tonight. I'm excited to be here. I'm hoping I can be like half as good as Jennifer was. Her story was amazing. I loved it. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's amazing how far we've come. Yes. I can't believe we're a year out already. I know. It's hard to believe. Amazing. So we're going to be going through your birth story today. And uh, before we get started, I just wanted to give you a chance to give a little bit of an introduction and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, like you said, my name is Maggie. Um, I live in Seattle, Washington, and um, my husband and I had our first daughter last year. Her name is Kate, so great. Name. Clearly, I had to be on. Yeah, exactly. Had <laughs> to be on the podcast, of course. Um, yeah, and I mean, it was obviously nothing like we expected, but it's mm-hmm. you know, it's been a good year. We'll we'll just we'll just say that. We'll get yes. into more details here. Yes, most definitely. Wonderful. Well, I don't know. Do you want to start with labor and delivery? I'll probably start at the beginning of the pandemic, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Yeah. March 12th, 2020 was the day after it was declared that there was, you know, this global pandemic of the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Um, And we had a midwife appointment that morning, um, just going over our uh, results from the anatomy scan. We had had that a week and a half prior and so we were going in to meet with them and just make sure everything looked good and all of that and of course we also had at that point a million and one questions about okay what what does this mean that there was just this pandemic mm-hmm. declared um we were scheduled to go on vacation the following week and over the weeks leading up to that point we had changed our plans from trying to go to europe to trying to go to hawaii to going to san diego to visit my parents Um, And at that point, that was what we were hoping to be able to do. We talked to the midwife and she said, no, under no circumstances should you be traveling right now. Mm -hmm. And so that was really the first big change or big thing that was like taken away from our from our pregnancy. Um, Looking back now, can you imagine traveling at that time? Um, I mean, no, honestly, it's, it's so weird because that was the day that everything shut down. That was, we went out for breakfast that morning after the appointment. And I remember calling my parents crying that we weren't going to be able to come and see them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I haven't traveled now since before that, um, which is, it's weird to think about because I can't imagine having traveled at that point now, mm-hmm. like looking back and knowing, you know, what was going on. Right. Um, that was, you know, before anyone was wearing masks and, you know, it was like nothing had really been put in place yet. Right. And so for me thinking, you know, I, I know that people are starting to travel. I personally have not flown mm-hmm. yet and I'm not planning to until Kate is vaccinated later on. But mm-hmm. yeah, I can't, I can't even imagine like it, it would I can't even imagine doing it with no masks or, you know, any of the, like, things that we know now. Pre-pandemic travel seems like such a different world, doesn't it? It really does. And it's so strange because I I was never really, like, a hypochondriac before. I mean, I would say that I had good hygiene, but I wasn't someone who, like, carried hand sanitizer everywhere. Like, I would wash my hands when I got the chance, but I was like, yeah, whatever, like, germs are germs. And now I, like, am sanitizing constantly. Like, I have... Mm-hmm. hand sanitizer on my keys and like anytime I get in my car I'm sanitizing anytime I get out of my car I'm sanitizing I'm just like always Constant. cleaning and yeah so it's mm-hmm. just it's very interesting that that's that that's changed so then um, after your appointment with your midwife what yeah. kind of came next so you know it was 
I ended, I still had the vacation time off from work. At that time, I was working at a bank, and I had the vacation already scheduled. So I had a week off. I went home. I basically, I had, I went to Target, and everyone else was at Target also trying to, like, stock up on toilet paper, of course, mm -hmm. and, you know, canned goods and whatever. And I was just trying to buy, like, anything that I could that would be able to, you know, be shelf-stable for a little while, because I didn't know if I'd be able to, like, leave my house. Right. Um, and... Yeah, that was a crazy week. And during that week, I was trying to figure out, you know, I was talking to my midwife and she was saying, you know, if you can, it would be better for you to be able to work from home um, just so that you're not, you know, being exposed to people who may be sick. Um, I worked at a, a branch of a bank, so there's no way to really like work from home mm -hmm. um, in, in that position. And so I was trying to talk to my HR and all of this. And, and luckily, my the company that I worked for, um, if you were considered high risk and luckily they included pregnant people as part of their high risk category, even though the CDC had not included pregnancy mm -hmm. as a high risk condition, they said you, you'll be, you can have a paid leave of absence from work if you declare that you're high risk. Oh, nice. And yeah, I was so thankful for that. So I had mm -hmm. originally, it was like two weeks off and you know, of course at that time, nobody, you know, everyone was like, it'll be over by Easter. It'll be over by whatever. And <laughs> obviously just it two wasn't weeks. but just two weeks. yeah ex exactly <laughs> so it was it was a thing of like okay yeah we give you two weeks off and I was like great two weeks off and then it'll be over and then luckily they extended they kept extending the um leave of absence that I could have from work I had another week of vacation scheduled like the first week of June mm -hmm. and then that was when the leave of absence also ended and so I had to go back in like mid-June for like a month until Kate was born Oh wow! So you were you were um, back in the the bank itself. Yes, I was, and at that point, everyone was required to wear masks, both employees and patrons. It was like the week I went back. I think was the week that Washington State um, required masks. I want to mm -hmm. say. Sure. Um, yeah. So we everyone was wearing masks, and you know, I felt as as safe as I could. And mm -hmm. it's interesting now because, of course, since then, and relatively recently, from what I can tell um pregnancy was finally declared yes this is like a high risk condition and mm -hmm. i'm curious if it had been that way at that time if i would have been able to take more of a leave um mm -hmm. yeah i don't know i mean I i'm glad that everything worked out i never got covid and my husband never got covid and i'm very thankful for that but mm -hmm. i am curious you know again knowing now what we do mm -hmm. how that would have been different if we'd known that then right um but yeah i luckily my pregnancy was like very uncomplicated as far as pregnancies go um mm -hmm. you know i had like back pain and whatever but it was nothing yeah. nothing that was like terribly unmanageable really just the, um, the normal complaints exactly yeah i mean it was it was weird then because then of course like every other appointment that i had was over the phone and then every other one was in person but my husband couldn't come with me mm -hmm. and so he would call and we also couldn't like facetime in the office we had to like only right. be on speaker which i was just like why that was annoying to me but i agree i had anyway. i did have one at like the last ultrasound that i had the uh -huh. the doctor i was so sad because my husband yeah. couldn't be there Right. And it was he, like it was one of the ultrasounds where uh -huh. Alfie was like finally actually visible and like Aww. not just like burrowed down like yeah. hide, hiding. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, I wish, I wish he could see." And he like secretly let me 
quick FaceTime him and show him. It was like, just really fast. Like, don't say a lot. Don't let anybody else hear. (laughs) I don't don't, don't know. This is a segue. I don't really understand why we, is it like HIPAA? But like, it's my own medical information. If I don't care if I'm sharing, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to look that up. I'm not sure. (laughs) I would too. It was a whole weird thing though. And so it was, you know, Mm -hmm. it was weird going every other time. And then, like I said, luckily it was a very uneventful pregnancy. And then Mm -hmm. towards the end is when the events began. Um, (laughs) I was probably 36, I think at my 36 week appointment, it was in person. Mm -hmm. And the midwifery clinic that I was at, they have you see like every midwife who works there if possible throughout your pregnancy so that by the time that you're delivering any of the midwives on call you've hopefully at least met oh nice once um so it's not like you know some strangers up in your business like Mm -hmm. delivering your baby (laughs) yeah (laughs) so you know so I I was seeing one of the midwives who I'd seen like once before but very early on in my pregnancy and so I saw her again and you know they measure they weigh you and they listen to the heartbeat and they take the tape measure and measure the fundal height mm-hmm. of like the top of your uterus. And at that point it was a little bit low. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just not quite where they wanted to see it. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, like you're tiny, where is this baby? But it was like, this is a little bit lower than we're expecting to see, but I'm tall, I'm 5'8 and kind of have a long torso. And so they were like, you know, this might just be how you're carrying the baby. It could be nothing. We're just going to keep an eye on it and we'll measure you again next time. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. So I come in next time, which was at 38 weeks, and they measured it, and it was okay. And that midwife who I saw that time said um, the other midwife was just being overly cautious. And you know, that's, I guess, kind of the downside to seeing mm-hmm. so many different providers is that, like, each one of them is going to have their own, you know, professional opinion, and right. they don't always completely match up. Mm-hmm. But she said, it's totally fine. Like, you're good to go. And at that point, I was 38 weeks, and so I had a cervical sweep done because I was like I'm ready to get this baby out like let's get this show on the Mm -hmm. road (laughs) um yeah 38 weeks that's what that's it was nothing to worry about 39 weeks it was something to worry about um I went in again that one was actually supposed to be a phone visit but I asked to come in in person because I wanted to do another cervical sweep if I was still pregnant because I was like again I just want to get this baby out (laughs) at this point especially in July having a baby in July is so hot yeah (laughs) I know it's like, maybe you have to think about that next time. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I go in for my 39 week. And at that point, it was, my fundal height was very low mm-hmm. compared to what they had wanted to see. And so they said, okay, we're going to order you another ultrasound, which in some ways is kind of exciting because I hadn't seen the baby on an ultrasound since like 20 weeks. So it's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's like, it'll be really fun. It ended up, I don't know if you had the same experience, if you had any like late in the term of your pregnancy if you had any ultrasounds then but like you can't really see as much because they're all squished up against the side of everything (laughs) I didn't but uh that's what I've heard from uh some other people that also had later ones that they just yeah like you'd think it'd be like oh they're like fully formed you can see them now but like no you're just like zooming in on like a fold of skin or something it's like it's it's not like you can see their cute little face or whatever but (laughs) yeah um but yeah, so we had an ultrasound, and that luckily they actually let my husband come to that one. Um, they were letting, because it was like an OB ultrasound, they would let you come with a partner. Very which nice. Which I was mm-hmm. very thankful for. Because we went in, and the, you know, the ultrasound tech is doing it, and she's like, okay, I'm done. Um, the numbers are really low, so I'm going to go have the radiologist come back. 
Um, and he's going to have to, you have to wait here until you can talk to the radiologist, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not going to let you leave until you talk to a, you know, provider about what this means. Okay. So the radiologist comes back and he's like, yeah, it's, it's your amniotic fluid. They're testing for the amniotic fluid levels, I guess. Mm-hmm. And at that point he said they are, you have low amniotic fluid levels. Okay, well, what does that mean? He's like, I can't really explain too much further because he's, you know, just the radiologist. He's like, you're going to have to go back to your midwife mm. and have them figure out what's going on. I'm like, okay. So then we go back to the midwife later that day. I think that was a, when I was like 39 and like four week, four days maybe. Okay. It was, it was like almost my due date. Super close. And this was, yeah. all these appointments were happening in one day. Um, I think, so the midwife appointment where they said, okay, yeah, we, we are concerned mm-hmm. was the day before the ultrasound, the radiologist. And then I went back to the midwife that day. Got it. Okay. So I went back to the midwife that day. They did a non-stress test. They kept asking me like, can you still feel your baby moving like normal? And like, yes, she's very wiggly. You know, everything seems fine. Like I couldn't tell you that anything was wrong. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, looked at the numbers and they said, well, this is like, borderline low amniotic fluid apparently there's like a very wide range of Mm. acceptable amniotic fluid levels um and the way they explained it was like you just might be on the very low end like i think it was like 6 to 25 or something and i was like a 5.9 something like that so i was like very very close to like the threshold okay yeah they they did the non-stress test they said everything's fine this was a friday afternoon and they said tomorrow morning come to you know, OB triage at the hospital. And we're going to do another ultrasound. We're going to do another non-stress test and we're going to see how you're doing tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that would have been two days before my due date at that point. Okay. So Saturday morning, we go to the hospital, we go to triage and they do the non-stress test. Everything looks fine. I go up to the um, ultrasound lab and they do the ultrasound and at that point I was at like a 6.5 and so I was like in the range of normal at that point yeah so we're like okay like what's going on you know apparently it can it can fluctuate a little bit based on like if you're drinking enough water and just you know okay whatever else mm-hmm. like, amniotic fluid is mostly baby pee so it's like you know maybe she just peed I don't know I don't know what's going sure. on at that point <laughs> But they said, it's totally normal, like, you're good, you don't need to be induced, nothing's going on. And at that point, we were, like, I was getting worried about her because at this point, I'm like, well, is it low? Like, is it borderline low? Is that, is that a problem? Like, you know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know how serious of an issue it is. Right. So I was just like, I'm, like, ready to get induced as soon as I can at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I had previously wanted to be, like, as low intervention as possible. Like I did not want to be induced. Mm-hmm. I was not planning on getting an epidural. I was planning to go as all natural as I could. I had a doula, which luckily our hospital was still letting us bring a doula and our partner um, to births. Nice. So I was excited to be able to, you know, have my doula mm-hmm. there and help me labor in different positions and whatever like pain management things I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden I was like, I want to be induced. I want to get this baby out because it seems like it'll be safer for her than like wondering if she has enough fluid in there. Right. You know? mm-hmm. So I was disappointed, I think. And I think my husband was disappointed too. Um, that, that two days before her due date that they were like, okay, like we're sending you back home, you know, mm-hmm. May, maybe you'll go into labor naturally over the weekend. But if not, you have your 40 week appointment scheduled on Monday, which was my due date, July 20th. And, okay. she, you know, they're like, just come back in and have them do another ultrasound when you come back in on Monday morning. Like, okay, great, fine. We went home and we just, you know, hung around for the weekend waiting to see what would happen. And mm-hmm. 
So Monday morning, we get up, we brought our hospital, we had, like pretty much had our hospital bags like in the car with us anytime we went anywhere because we just like didn't want to Just be- in case. <laughs> yeah, well, and I don't know how it was at your hospital, but at ours, once you were in, you were in. Like you could mm-hmm. not leave and come back. Nobody could come and like bring you anything. Oh, yeah. So I way overpacked. I packed like days worth of clothes because I was like, if something happens and we're in the hospital for that long, like I want to have stuff with us, you know? Oh, yeah. So I had, like, five days worth of clothes for me and my husband and, like, all of this stuff. And so we had it, like, in our car. And so Monday morning, we go to the midwife clinic. And I saw the midwife. This is the only midwife in the practice who I had not met yet. Okay. And I did not like her at all. Oh, no. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was so, it was so sad because I had had such a good experience with all of the other ones. Mm-hmm. And then this last one, I just, I don't know. It was, I don't know if it was just like different personalities that didn't click or what, but yeah. the other thing was we said, okay, I had my husband on speakerphone mm-hmm. and you know, she's checking me and she's doing all of this and she's looking at the fundal height and she's like, yeah, it's, it's a little low, but you're probably fine. I mean, you're already 40 weeks. And, and at that point she's asking like, well, if you do want to be induced, we'll have to put you on like the wait list. Cause it's, there's not like a medical need for it yet um, until mm-hmm. you're 41 weeks. They don't, they're not going to like, schedule it for you at, mm-hmm. at that clinic they would only schedule it if you either needed it for medical reasons or were past 41 weeks which i guess would be a medical reason okay but she said there's no medical reason at this point that you need to be induced so mm-hmm. if that's something that you want to think about we can like add you to the wait list or whatever it's like okay fine add me to the wait list mm-hmm. but my husband on the phone said well hold on they were going to do another ultrasound this morning Mm-hmm. And the midwife says, well, I'm not allowed to do ultrasounds because I'm per diem. And so I have to go. F- I, you know, probably don't really need one. She was basically it felt like trying to, like, convince us that we didn't actually need another ultrasound. Oh, my was- husband was I'm really glad that my husband, like, really fought for it. He kept saying, like, no, like they told us on Saturday, they said, come on Monday and we're going to do another ultrasound. So we need to get another ultrasound done. Like, I don't care if you do it. I don't care if the janitor does it. Like, someone's doing another ultrasound, you know? Like, what, a, what a good advocate. Yeah, I know. I was like, thank you. Because I, I mean, it's so hard. And I don't know. Maybe it's his personality. Maybe it's because he was over the phone. I don't know. But I was really glad that he did because finally they got the OB who was on call that day came over and did my ultrasound. And she was like, oh, like, what brings you in? Like, why are we doing another ultrasound today? And I was like, because my fundal height is low. And, you know, she's like, okay, let me check. And she's looking at amniotic fluid. And she's, you know waving the wand everywhere not really saying a whole lot and then she like wipes me up and she's like okay you're gonna have a baby today you have like zero amniotic fluid left and I'm like what (gasps) yeah so I was like okay and so they like walked me from the clinic there's like a skyway like bridge thing over to the hospital triage area and so then I you know Mm -hmm. I get checked in and I'm like okay I'm gonna be induced like I'm calling everyone I know and like telling them oh my gosh and yeah it was it was crazy. It was it was it was a very weird experience because like I said I had not planned on that being how it would go. Right. Everyone had been downplaying it up until then. Yeah, and it, yeah, everyone's like, "Oh, it's like it's fine. Your baby's fine. You're fine." And then all of a sudden it's like, "Okay, you need to have a baby now." And I was like, oh, "Okay, I mean not now, but like you're being induced yeah. today." It's happening. And yeah, and I was a little worried because when I was talking about like adding my name to the induction wait list or whatever, mm-hmm. they said, "You're a first-time mom." So it, induction might take, like, two days. And I'm like, what? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, okay. So, you know, luckily, they had checked my cervix in the clinic, and it was, like, some scale. I think it's, like, the Bishop scale. Does that sound right? Where it's, like, they 
they give you a number like mm-hmm. out of one to ten or whatever of like how ripe your cervix is oh, or like, how yeah. ready you are to go mm-hmm. into labor and i was like right i think it was like an eight was would be that you're like ready to go into labor and i was at an eight i was like oh my gosh. thank goodness yeah so i didn't i didn't have to get the like was it like the cervidil or whatever cervidil. The, mm-hmm. yeah i did not have to get that which i'm glad about nice. because i've heard bad things about it mm-hmm. so yeah i go to the hospital and they basically said we're not gonna do any checks until we absolutely have to because in they weren't sure at that point if i if like my water had broken already and i just like hadn't noticed it or like why my levels were so low they they didn't know right so they didn't want a slow leak or something like that right so they didn't want to do any more checks than necessary in case it was already broken and you know that increases the risk for infection and all that Mm -hmm. so they're like we're not going to check you again we're just going to start you on Pitocin and get this show on the road. Let's have yeah. a baby. <laughs> yeah. So this was like, I think by the time it was all said and done, it was about noon when they started the Pitocin and they started, you know, pretty low and it was like totally fine. I, I was honestly like the worst part was getting the IV put in because I'm just like not good with needles and it just like mm. weirded me out. Mm-hmm. We were like watching Parks and Rec and like laughing with the nurses and just, you know, having a grand old time. <laughs> so um, tell me real quick about what it was like at your hospital in regards to COVID protocols. Yeah. So we did not have to be tested. I think the only, at the time they were only testing if you had a scheduled C-section or scheduled induction. I think that you Mm -hmm. had to have a COVID test like 24 to 48 hours before that. Mm -hmm. But if you just like went into labor or went in and got induced, they weren't doing any testing. Okay. So we didn't have to get tested. We, my husband had to wear a mask. I did not have to wear a mask once we got to my room, Mm -hmm. which I'm really glad about because that would have just, I mean, I feel so bad for all the women who had to like labor in a mask. I can't imagine. It would have been awful. So difficult. Yeah. And it's, I mean, leading up to that, reading about all of these different restrictions in different hospitals and everything was changing like week to week, day to day, you know, it's like, oh, "Oh, now we're requiring masks. Now we're not allowing this. Now we're not doing this. And so I was like preparing myself for any eventuality, you know, of like, am I going to have to labor alone? Like, you know, what's, what's Mm going to be allowed at the time that I'm actually giving birth. And so, like I said, I, I really wanted to be as low intervention as possible. Like I didn't want an epidural or any of that, but I also said I was like if I'm in there alone like I'm gonna need probably to do an epidural like you know it's oh, just yeah. like I was thinking of like all of these different like well if this then I'm gonna have to do this mm-hmm. just being um, open to all the possibilities because yeah nobody exactly. knew what was going on exactly which I mean it's funny because I mean I like I'm a planner by nature and mm-hmm. I like to I like to learn I liked reading about birth and like watching videos and we did a like on it was ended up being on zoom but we did a childbirth class with a relatively famous birth educator oh, nice. physical therapist yeah um so we she happens to live in seattle so we did that with her That's um, so nice our classes yeah. got canceled so we watched youtube videos <laughs> yeah i mean i thought that was gonna be i was like i was emailing them i was like are you still gonna do the class they're like yes we're doing it on zoom i'm like thank goodness oh my gosh but nice. i mean it, I still wish we could have done it in person because I think that would have been even more helpful. But, you know, mm-hmm. I'm glad that we at least did it a, a class. But right. where was I going? Sorry. Uh, you were talking about. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, you were yeah. talking about how you got the Pitocin and then okay, uh, yes. you're just hanging out, joking with yeah, nurses. So, yeah. So we were just hanging out. And like I said, my husband was wearing a mask. I was not. And we were waiting to call our doula because we had talked to our doula 
beforehand. And, like, we, she obviously knew that we were, you know, being induced and at the hospital and all that. But, like, mm-hmm. we hadn't called her to come sit with us yet because she had told us that, like, the week before, she had a birth where she was sitting there in the hospital with them for, like, 48 hours uh, because it was a very long birth and she they had her get there right when they started the labor process and we didn't we didn't want to have her there like again no one could leave so it's like once once we were all locked in the room we were all it was like prison like we're there until we leave yeah Mm -hmm. like you couldn't we couldn't she couldn't like leave and come back or you know go get food or whatever Mm -hmm. so we we were just you know hanging out seeing how we were doing waiting until we wanted to call her and Probably a few hours after I'd been started on Pitocin was Mm -hmm. when I started, like, oh, like, feeling the contractions and, like, okay, like, I need to, like, you know, move around a little bit and sway or need to get on the birth ball or, like, you know, Mm -hmm. trying all the different things that you talk about in different different classes. Yeah, Yeah, in the classes. And it was funny because in the classes they were like, here's like, you can do this squat, you can do this, you can do that. And like, it's so funny because you don't know in real time what you're going to want to do, like what's actually going to feel good. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the things that I thought that I'd want to do, I did not want to do. And some of the things that I was like, that's never going to happen. I was like, I need to do that right now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I I was so happy I had like, a list of things kind of in yeah. my mind, just a variety. Yeah. Cause exactly. I would, yeah. Half the things that I was like, Oh, this will be perfect. It was like thrown out the window at like the first yes. chance. I was like, uh, uh-uh, nope. Yep. <laughs> like that's not going to help right now. <laughs> yeah. And it's so cr- The one thing that I knew that I felt like I was going to want to do and that I actually did want to do was a bath. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we, cause we had like big jacuzzi tubs in the, in our birthing oh, nice. seats, mm-hmm. which were so it was so nice. It was like calm and peaceful and they turned the lights off and my doula brought like little LED candles. And so we had like that sounds so candle nice. light. Yeah, it was so nice. I would highly recommend that if anyone is getting ready to have a baby, mm-hmm. bring LED candles and take a bath. If you have a bath, if you yeah. don't have a bath, still bring LED candles because it's like the hospital lighting is just not it's so calming. Bad. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's just <laughs> like flickering. Yeah. But yeah, so I took a bath. And I think it was actually, like, right about when I was getting ready to go in the bath that my nurse, who was in there at the time, was like, have you called your doula yet? And we were like, no. And she's like, you might want to think about calling her. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that was the nurse's way of being like, things are getting, like, started. Like, you're moving along here. You're probably going to want to call your doula sooner rather than later. Yeah. But without saying that and, like, alarming us, you know? Right. So we called our doula and we were like, okay, I think we're ready for you to come over. And she's like, do you need me to bring you anything? Because this is your only chance for me to bring you, like, food or coffee or whatever. Mm -hmm. So. She brought some Starbucks up for us, and... That's amazing. Yeah, it was, like, highly recommend. I mean, of course, it, I don't know if, like, our hospital's still not allowing visitors or, like, in and out. I'm I don't know sure. about right now, but, yeah, when I was delivering, I definitely... I couldn't have anybody, yeah. We couldn't have anybody drop anything off or yeah. anything like yeah. that. Yeah, something to think about, though, like, for next time. Like, we need to, like, have someone ready to bring us stuff. Yeah, I need if, a, I assume, need a coffee runner. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, assuming that people can come in and out at that point, like, we need to have someone who's, yeah. like, on call for that. Yes. But, yeah, so I'm in the tub, and we get our drinks, and I'm laboring, and the midwife has come in a couple times to, like, check and see how I'm doing, and while I was in the tub was when the nurses changed shifts, and so the night nurse came in, and she was this wonderful mom of four 
from Memphis, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and she has obviously an accent. And so she came and she's like, ha, I'm going to be your nurse. And I was like, oh, oh my God, get out of here. Because I'm, you know, in the middle of a contraction. <laughs> and I'm like, you're like killing my vibe here, woman. But she ended up being wonderful. And I loved her so much. But you were, you weren't was, ready for the sweetness. No, I was not. I was not ready for like the loud, just like, here I am. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, I'm trying to get through this contraction right now. But she was great. Um, and yeah, I was laboring in the tub for a while. And then eventually I was like, all right, I'm over it. I don't know if you had this experience too, but like when you're in labor, like you said, you just throw things out. You're like, this is done. Like, I can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Time to do something else. And oh, yeah. at that point I was like, I need to sit on the toilet. And this is TMI. But that was when I did all of my bowel movements. So I did not have any poop situation on the table, which I'm oh, actually happy you. about. I was going to ask about that. That was one thing that I also got uh, a lot of questions yeah. on after the first one was like, like, did you poop? You need to ask people if they pooped or not. And so I didn't, did, yeah. did you, did you poop while you were laboring besides when you're on the toilet? Just when I was on the toilet. That was it. Okay. Okay. So I got that all out of the way, which <laughs> it was probably, you know, it's probably, it's, of course it's a sign that everything is like moving properly. Right. It's all the same muscles down there, but exactly. I was just glad to not have a big mess on the table. Mm. <laughs> I think that would have been more embarrassing. But yeah, so I was like on the toilet for a little while. And then I was like, all right. And I just like wanted to sit there for a while because, you know, you have like your legs up a little bit. And mm-hmm. it's, it was just like a nice position to be in. And then I was like, all right, my legs are falling asleep. Time to do something else. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I got on the bed, hands and knees, all fours. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that point, I was like, oh, my gosh, this hurts so bad. I'm getting so tired. And that was the point when I was like, if I'm not ready to push, I'm going to need to get an epidural because I just needed rest at that point. Mm-hmm. I was like, it was, I was just getting so tired and I was like trying to all these different positions. And so about, um, about how long had you been in labor at this point? I'm thinking about it and I'm like, it was, I started pushing at nine o'clock. So right. it had only been like probably nine hours from when the Pitocin started and really okay, like six hours of feeling contractions and really only like three hours of like, pretty intense contractions where I was like actively trying to like work through them. That is still incredibly exhausting. So I know I say only three hours. It's only three hours. I'm like, I never, don't cut yourself short. Yeah. It's like, I don't work out for three hours. (laughs) That's hard work. (laughs) I'm not running marathons. Right. Yeah. I'm not a marathon. And it was 9 PM too. So I'd been up since, you know, six o'clock in the morning or whatever. Mm -hmm. And of course can't sleep well when you're in your third trimester. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was like tired and I was like, if I'm not ready to push this, I'm going to need some help because this hurts really, really bad. Which Mm -hmm. looking back, that was probably like the transition as they call it. Uh, Right. Mm -hmm. Those last couple centimeters that are usually the worst. And it was, it's hard (laughs) though, because you don't know when you're doing it, that that's what you're doing. Right. just like, this hurts really bad. Like, make it stop. Yeah. But, yeah, they I was, they were like, okay, well, let me know if you feel pushy. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Yeah, that's, that's such <laughs> a, it's such a weird thing to think about until you get to yeah. that point and you're like, yeah. oh, wow, my body just wants to do this. Like, it's yeah, so, and it's, you can't it's describe so it to somebody no, until it can't. actually happens. I can't really even describe it now because it's like, I don't. I can't recall. I think that's one of those things of like you block out mm-hmm. parts of your birth. Like I can't recall that specific sensation anymore, but I'm like, I knew it when it happened. I was like, this exactly. is it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know. In my mind, it happened like right after they said, let me know if you feel pushy. And then I'm like, yep, I feel pushy. But I, I can't, <laughs> I don't remember if that was like, you know, it was actually that quick or if it was like five minutes later or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I was like, yeah, I'm, I think I'm, I'm feeling that. 
So they brought the nurse back in, and that was the first time that they checked my cervix since before I had been admitted. Okay. And they were like, yep, you're having a baby. And Yay! I re- yeah, I remember, like, <laughs> they were like, okay, you're having a baby. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, when? I was like, I know I'm having a baby, but I need it to be now. And they're like, "That's they, they mean that you're having a baby right now, but, like... Yeah, <laughs> I was in my in my state. I was just like, just tell it to me straight. Like, what's going on? Lay it on me, doc. None, none of this wishy washy business. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, started pushing. And it, again, this was one of those things that was like a surprise to me mm-hmm. that I had wanted to not push like on my back with my legs up in stirrups. Like, I wanted to push mm-hmm. in different positions, like on you know hands and knees or on my side or mm-hmm. whatever other positions you can push in Mm -hmm. but I pushed I think pretty much the whole time on my back with my legs up and it's it's funny because I'm like I thought about this I've been thinking about this over the past few days looking back at it and I'm like I don't regret it like it was it was what felt right at the time and so I'm glad that I went with what felt right at the time Mm -hmm. was there a reason why you wanted to labor in various positions I think I don't know it's it's interesting because Again, I did this birth class with, her name is Penny Simkin. She wrote The Birth Partner, which is a pretty popular book mm-hmm. yeah. um, about childbirth. And, you know, it, they, I feel like in, in the, like, quote unquote, natural birth world mm-hmm. that I was kind of, like, steeped in at the time, I felt like that was, they, like, recommended against birthing on your back, okay. basically. So it was kind of one of, it, their, one of their cornerstones that you had been following. Yeah, which, I mean, you know... I think that as I've been, as I've become a mom, and like, mm-hmm. I, I think I just take everything with more of a grain of salt now that you read on the internet, mm-hmm. because there are a lot of, I don't know, it, there's just a lot of fear mongering that goes on, I feel like. There's a lot of ways to birth a baby. There's a lot of ways to raise a baby. Exactly. And it's exactly. going to be different for every mom and every kid. Exactly. And even though like I knew that intellectually and like... Mm-hmm. It's not like a C-section means that you didn't birth your baby. And I, like, would mm-hmm. say that, and I, like, believed it. I still was like, well, I'm going to do it this way, you right. know? Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going to have an epidural. I'm not going to be induced. I'm not going to labor right. or birth on my back or whatever. Right. I'm not going to shame anybody else for doing it, but exactly. it's not but what like, you for wanted me, for you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It was like, everyone should do what they want. Like, it's your birth. It's your baby. Like, do what makes you happy. It was interesting because at the time I was like, well, I don't want to birth on my back. It was what felt good. And so I'm like, Mm -hmm. why am I like trying to like not do something that feels good Mm -hmm. just because there's like this like mental block in my mind. Mm -hmm. But I ended up pushing on my back with my legs up. Yeah, it took about two hours all told. Um, Like I think I think I started pushing around nine o'clock and she was born at 11.02 p.m. Wow. Okay, so two hours of pushing. Yes, Ooh. two hours of pushing. And I remember at one point, the two cool things that happened while I was pushing. Mm-hmm. Uh, three cool things, I guess. I was pushing and they could like finally see her head crowning. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, she has hair. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's ah. so exciting. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I was excited to like, feel, so I like felt down and I could like feel her hair. I was like, oh my gosh, like it's so crazy. Thing. I did that too. And I thought that was one of the coolest things I did during labor. It was like actually feeling so his head. so cool. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because on like, they had like a birth plan sheet that you could like fill out ahead of time. And mm-hmm. one of the questions was like, do you want a mirror so you can see? Do you want to like feel like, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, like all of these things. And I was like, oh no like that sounds awful like I don't want to feel it I don't mm-hmm. want like <laughs> yeah. but then I was I felt it I was like that's so cool like you mm-hmm. can like feel this your baby like for the first time you can like physically feel them from the outside world right. you know yeah so 
So interesting. So cool. Mm-hmm. The other cool thing was that they weren't sure, like I said, if my my water had broken already, like if the bag had already ruptured or whatever, mm-hmm. and that was why I had low fluid. But that was not the case because she was almost born in the sack, which... <gasps> wow. Yeah, it was... It was crazy because apparently my husband said that you could like see the bag bulging every time I pushed because, you know, like put, putting oh, pressure yeah. on it. And the midwife was like trying to like, I'm, I'm doing the move like you can see it, but you can't see it. But she was like, pull, <laughs> like pulling back, like trying to like brace herself for this splash of fluid. Yeah. And it kept not happening, not happening, not happening. And then I felt it splash. And that was the one time that she wasn't like ready for it. Oh, she got no. splashed with amniotic fluid. I mean... I'm sure she's used to it, but... Right, still. I was like, oh my gosh. But I, I could feel it burst. And then, you know, it was probably like two more pushes and she was finally out. But I also remember at one point looking at the clock and it was, you know, 1045 or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I am getting this baby out today. I'm not letting this go past midnight. <laughs> We're getting this baby out now. She's yeah. going to be born on her due date. That's you're, it. You were on a timeline. <laughs> yes, because it was my due date. My mom had my sister on her due date. My sister had one of her kids on their due date. And so I was like, I oh got to join this club and have my baby on their due date. Like, I love it. <laughs> and I did. I was, that's motivation right there. Right. Seriously. I was like, that's probably like what I was like, I'm going to push this baby out now. And I, it was so, it was such a strange experience because I remember in between, well, I don't really remember. Cause I was, I was essentially like blacking out in between mm-hmm. contractions where I was just like, so tired, I guess, like trying to like gain all this energy back. But I remember thinking, mm-hmm. Like, during that time, I was like, I'm not going to push for the next one. I'm just going to let her sit in there. Like, yeah. I'm not going to actively push. Like, mm-hmm. And then, of course, once you feel the urge, like, you have to push. Like, oh, you can't yeah. stop yourself from pushing. Yeah, it's just innate. It is. It really is. It's so interesting. I think it's it's so interesting that childbirth is like this. It's just such a, it's such a different experience from anything else in life, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Where... Like, and and even, like, thinking about your, like, preparation for birth, that, like, you can, like, learn all you want, you can plan all you want, but in the end, like, your body and your baby are really in charge. Oh, yeah. That was the biggest surprise for me was for how much I had tried to prepare myself, like, physically and mentally and emotionally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was just a, it was such, I've never experienced that where my body completely told me what to do and just did it. Exactly. It was like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. what do you mean when I feel pushing and all of a sudden your body's like, yep, this is it. Like it's time. Yeah. And you're like along for the ride. Exactly. Like you really are just <laughs> along for the ride. Like your baby and your body are like, all right, here's what's going on. Like, mm-hmm. okay. Totally. Sounds good. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just, I think that childbirth is just such a, an amazing feat. It's just, it's so mm-hmm amazing to me that people have been doing this for you know millennia and it's just it's beautiful it's messy and crazy but it's beautiful and yeah like, it is it like really you is. said it, it amazes me that we've been doing it for so long and there's so much you know now there's so much technology and so much we know about mm-hmm. it but it is still mm-hmm. so like like innate and so it's it's just in you yeah, that this exactly. is what your body needs to do so yeah it's and I mean I'm so thankful for medical intervention like so oh, thankful yeah. for all the technology of Pitocin and like all of you know ultrasound that tells me like hey it's time to get your baby out and mm-hmm. you know all of getting stitches afterwards and like all all of these things that in years past could have been a lot scarier you know? right right so did you yeah. tear when you were giving birth yes I did I tore I think it was a second degree tear um mm-hmm. so it wasn't like all the way through but it was a pretty significant th- what they said is that it's yeah it's a significant tear and they said it was a complicated tear I don't 
know what that means. <laughs> but the mm -hmm. midwife who delivered my baby actually had the OB on call come in and do the stitches because she was like, I'm not super confident in this, so I'm going to have the doctor come in and do it. I was like, all right, that's so it must a have, little it, alarming. You know? it, yeah, it must have like gone different ways or something. That must not have just been yeah, like a I straight don't know. tear. Yeah. Oh. Ex I'm guessing, yeah. They stitched me up. They put the baby on my chest and tried to breastfeed to begin with and yeah tell me about yeah, those God, first moments what in. I mean were you I, I obviously exhausted and everything but was it mm -hmm. super emotional did you was it just kind of like a blur what were you feeling in those uh, first I moments just, I remember just being really like content and happy like okay like this finally here like and I've, I've always mm -hmm. wanted to have kids like I've always wanted to be a mom like that's like always been kind of my goal in life, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so it was just like, it finally felt like it, it, it happened, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I was just like so happy to have my little tiny, like slimy little baby on me. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. And how was your husband yeah. during all of the, like once she was actually your side, what, uh, he, how was your husband? He was great. So he actually, I forgot to tell you this earlier, but he, we had said to the midwife earlier, we were like, we want, Graham wants to be as involved as possible. Ooh. Oh, I love and it. So, yeah. So he, she was like, okay, great. Like, awesome. So, you know, all throughout labor, he was obviously involved in like helping me be in different positions and massaging and doing whatever else. Um, and then when it came time to push, you know, he was holding my leg up and he was like getting me a cool cloth or mm -hmm. getting me a blanket and like whatever I needed. And then at one point towards the end of pushing, the midwife was like, okay, like, are you ready to catch the baby? And ah. he's like, what? He's like, what? She's like, yeah, you can catch the baby if you want. And so... He got to catch the baby, which is actually really cool. Oh, so, that's amazing. Yeah. So he was like, should I wear gloves? Like, what do I do? So he put some gloves on. And mm -hmm. yeah, he so he was like the first one, literally, to hold her. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So he got to hold her. And then they clamped the cord. He cut the cord. And yeah, got her. She peed immediately on the nurse <laughs> getting out. <laughs> she, she sneezed six times in a row. Oh, my gosh. And then, yeah, it was like a... Oh. Oh, Lungs and everything are working. Yep, yeah. She <laughs> cried right away. I was like, okay, good. And yeah, then they put her on my chest and then we, you know, had our golden hour and she tried to start breastfeeding. And and how did that go? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say. Breastfeeding was a very difficult journey to begin with for me. And it's hard to say at like that point how mm -hmm. it went, I feel like. I don't. Breastfeeding was probably the thing that I felt the least prepared for sure. um it turns out and mm -hmm. I don't know how it could have been better honestly and I've, I've talked to other people about this and I've said like I wish that they would have told me like here are things that might happen and because they were things that did happen to me what, what so would be I, something that you would wish somebody would so have said it's an option or that might happen my my milk took a long time to come in like I still had clot I think it came in on like day five it started mm -hmm. to come in on day five, which is, like, late. Mm -hmm. I did not... It, it usually comes in by, like, day three is mm -hmm. when it's, like, when they want it to come in by. And I did not have milk at that point. I did only had colostrum mm -hmm. um, up until day five. And then one side took even longer than that. It was, like, two weeks before it was fully switched oh, wow. over to milk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, like, the childbirth class that I did, one session was on breastfeeding and they went over like the football hold and you know the cross side hold and like I don't know it kind of reminded me of I don't know if you've read that article online that how to latch your baby to your left breast in 37 easy steps <laughs> oh like, yeah 
it's like I, it, that's kind of how it felt because I'm like what are you talking about like okay oh, like yeah. you have to hold them like this and then tuck them under here and then put your arm under this and use a pillow to prop this up there's just like this whole thing and mm-hmm. but the, like the the main takeaways that I had from that class were just let your baby lead like don't try to force anything mm-hmm. and don't pump that was like the main takeaway was like do not pump until your supply is established otherwise you're gonna have an oversupply and mm-hmm. then you're never gonna like you're never gonna be happy again because you're gonna be leaking everywhere and your boobs are gonna hurt and it's just gonna be a mess <laughs> so i was like okay like i can't pump and so like yeah. i had my pump paid for through my insurance and all that but i was like i'm not even gonna like try to look at it yet because right. i don't i'm not gonna need that for another mm-hmm. month it turns out that my because my supply took so long to come in it ended up being, breastfeeding in general is just like a feedback loop, right? But like it ended up being mm-hmm. this loop where she wasn't suckling effectively to bring the milk in. And so the milk mm-hmm. wasn't coming in. And so she wasn't growing. And so she wasn't suckling. It was just like this whole thing that kept just happening. Loop, where she wasn't, yeah, because yeah, she wasn't strong enough to suckle, which was not stimulating my oh. breast to make milk. And so it's just, just this endless cycle. And so I ended up, she ended up losing 12.5% of her birth weight. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, over the first, like, week. I think it took about a week to get to that low point. So, and was that when you were at home then, or were yeah, you still Yeah, so we were already home. We were home at that point. When we left the hospital, you know, they do the 24-hour wait check or whatever, and mm-hmm. she had lost, like, 9% of her weight. Which they, they say if it's more than 10% is, like, the cutoff right. for, like, when they would need to, like, supplement formula or, like, whatever. Mm-hmm whatever the case may be. But they were like, she's like right, right at the edge. So you're fine. Like you're good to go, go home, mm-hmm. breastfeed. Always whatever. right at the edge. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like living on the edge, <laughs> which is very weird because I'm not like a risk taker. Like I don't, yeah. I don't like living on the edge. So. <laughs> but they're like, you're fine. Like just go home and, you know, feed her and whatever. In the hospital, I felt like, so I felt like in the first hour when she first breastfed, I didn't die. I Looking back even, I don't know how it went. I'm like, I don't, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, like, you don't know what you're looking at. You're like, okay, there's yeah. a baby, she's there, I think it's working, I don't know. Right, exactly. I'm, I'm exhausted. Like, I, want a, exactly. I want a hamburger. Right, exactly. And I'm like, <laughs> luckily I'd saved my dinner, so I had like a grilled cheese that I was eating. Um, but amazing. yeah, I was like, I don't know how it went. But while we were in the hospital, I felt like it was not going well. One of the nurses offered us I think it was just like a sugar like glucose I could like put on like the nipple that would mm-hmm. like make her want to suckle because it's sweet and, sure like, babies like sweet things and so that helped a little bit and not but not a lot and she was like screaming and I'm like is this normal like should she be screaming like this I don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah I mean babies are gonna cry right but like I don't know what's normal what's yeah. not at this point and at one point finally we were like, can we get her some formula? Like, I just think that she's hungry and like, she's, she's getting frustrated. I'm getting frustrated. I hadn't slept. We were just like, we just need her to eat something mm-hmm. so that we can move on. And so while we were in the hospital, one of the nurses set us up with like a syringe and a tube that I like, you put this, you put the tube like right next to your nipple and hold it there so that your baby like clamps on to the tube and your nipple at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then you draw formula from the syringe, like you push it down into the tube so that she's okay. getting the formula, but it's like... She's also suckling it's at your nipple, so simu- it's like simulating your nipple. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it's like trying to st- stimulate your breasts at the same time and doing that. That seemed okay. to be working well. Mm-hmm. I was like, cool, like maybe this is what we're going to need to do. The lactation consultant came in like literally right before we were about to be discharged from the hospital. And she was like, 
I, I did not like that lactation consultant. I don't know. Oh, she no. was just, like, again, one of my, like, goals, I guess, was, like, I wanted to exclusively breastfeed mm-hmm. until she was six months. Mm-hmm. And she, she was like, okay, what have you done? And, I, you know, I told her, like, okay, they brought in the formula. And she's like, well, so your baby's not exclusively breastfed anymore. And I'm like, okay, like, excuse me. Like, um, that's so... Yeah, I was just like... It seems like just like a rude thing to say. Like, it, I mean, part of it was like how she said it too. I just was like, okay, right. like, I don't need you to like say that to me right yeah. now. I'm incredibly hormonal right now, and I'm trying my yeah, best. Exactly. Excuse you. Exactly. <laughs> like, you don't need to tell me that I just like failed in my goal. Like, yeah. okay. Anyway, so we <laughs> went home, and I, f- I felt like she was hungry a lot. Like, she would cry and cry and cry, and like, she would get mm-hmm. frustrated. She would fall asleep while nursing. Like, all of these things kept happening and anyway eventually it came out that because she had lost so much weight I needed to triple feed which is where you nurse your baby and then you pump milk and then you feed them a bottle for every single feed wow and newborns eat like every two to three hours oh yeah and so the whole feeding process takes like an hour when you're doing it that way because you're we nursed for 10 minutes per side so that's 20 minutes right there Mm-hmm. And then typically I would pump for 20 minutes while my husband fed her a bottle of either pumped milk from the prior feed or formula, depending on like mm-hmm. how much milk we had in the fridge or whatever. Right. But yeah, it took, I mean, it easily took like 45 minutes and then you had to wash all your pump parts. Like it was just every single oh my time. Gosh. So it was like, you know, That's yeah, crazy. It was, yeah, it was not fun. And I, anyway, my like whole thing with breastfeeding education was that like I wish that I had known that that was even like a thing like I wish that it had been on my radar and I've talked to people about this since then and most of them say like well they can't tell people that because then they're just going to be scared and they're not even going to want to try and I'm like honestly like for me I would rather be armed with information like Mm -hmm. rather than going into it like blind and thinking that something was like incredibly wrong right with what I was doing or with my body or whatever Mm -hmm. because this wasn't working like, I'm like, if I had known that that was a potential, I feel like I would have felt better about it. Absolutely. I feel like I yeah. prepared so much for the birth, which was, yes. I mean, what, 24 hours, 48 hours right. total? Exactly. And then exactly. I had done hardly any prep for breastfeeding, and that was yes. eight months. Yeah, exactly. And I, I guess I hadn't framed it in my mind as something that was going to be so continuous. Uh, or, yeah. I mean, I, that's what I was hoping for, at least in my mind. Right, right. Um, and so looking back, I, I'm like, Kate, duh. <laughs> why, would, why, would, why wouldn't you prep more for that? That something that you're going to be doing, you know, all day, every day and night for the first, you know, couple months at least. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you can like fully realize how all encompassing it is to like feed your baby for the first few months. Oh, yeah. Because it's, it's, like, it's it literally is constant. Whether you're formula feeding or breastfeeding, like either you have a baby on your boob. In the beginning, they're feeding what, like eight times a day? Yeah. And so, so they're feeding, you know, like every couple of hours you have a baby on you. Or if you're formula feeding, you still have to feed them that often. And then you're like working on making bottles and washing bottles and like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> I remember those first, I mean, at least first two months. Uh, yeah. I remember telling my husband that I'm, I was so exhausted because my, my days and my nights were so cyclical. Yes. In that, like, my yeah. days blurred into the nights because I was yep. doing the exact same thing, whether mm-hmm. it was morning or night or at yeah. like, any time. And yeah, that like was... you're sleeping, like you take naps during the day when you wouldn't normally, you're waking up at night to feed when you wouldn't normally. Yeah, it's oh, just yeah. like, 
everything is all topsy-turvy. Exactly. And I think that was what was most exhausting to me Mm -hmm. throughout was just being in a blur. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I know. Uh, So you said earlier that you had like super packed for the hospital just in case and everything. Was there anything that you packed that you loved or anything you packed that you laugh at now? You know, I feel like I, like I said, I overpacked for sure. I think looking back now, like next time, I would not pack any clothes for myself to wear in the hospital because (laughs) I just wore the hospital provided gown the entire time. And I was happy with that because I leaked I was sweaty. I just, I didn't, like, I'm glad I didn't have to bring anything home and wash it. Oh, yeah. 100%. So I I had packed, like, a couple of changes of clothes for myself, Mm -hmm. which, looking back, I'm like, I did not need to do that. Yeah. Even even if I had been in there for five days, I'm sure I just would have stayed in that hospital gown the entire time. The one, I maybe would have put on, like, a nursing bra underneath the gown, Mm -hmm. but that would have been it. Like, that's the only thing I would have brought for myself. And then I would have brought, like, something to wear home. Right. But... I'm trying to think of anything else. It was like, there, uh, like I packed makeup and I didn't put makeup on. Like mm-hmm. I, but I, I could see myself still bringing it again next time, like just in case I felt like it, you know. Yeah. And then the only, only other thing that was like I didn't use at all was, I brought, I think I brought a, ba- a like a bathing suit top for myself, and mm-hmm. a like swim trunks for my husband in case we wanted to like shower. Well, like while I was laboring, if I wanted to like be in the shower and like, right. hold hold on to him or whatever, or like if I wanted him to come in the tub with me or something. Yeah, I mean that's um, a good idea. That's smart. I would probably still bring the trunks for him, but I wouldn't bring a swimsuit top for myself because I'm mm-hmm. like I don't I don't care. Like oh yeah, I don't know. I'm like I just it doesn't matter if I'm wearing a swimsuit top or they gave me like I don't know if you had the um like what do they call them the monitors that they put on your belly. They held mine in place with like a white cotton like tube top basically oh really (laughs) and yeah they gave me another one of those that I just like pulled up and wore as like a swimsuit top oh there you go yeah so like I probably would just (laughs) yeah and so I mean I guess it depends if I was at the same hospital I would probably not do that if I Uh go to a different hospital I might bring a swimsuit top or like a sports bra or something I guess but there you go but I'm trying to think otherwise I feel like I used most of the stuff like we brought snacks that we ate and we mm-hmm. brought my computer so we could watch Netflix which we did while we were in labor but then not afterwards like mm-hmm. if you I don't know how it is for everybody else but I'm like once you have the baby I'm like you're either like trying to feed them or you're trying to sleep <laughs> oh know? yeah Definitely. I didn't have time to like watch tv after that <laughs> never again <laughs> uh, uh, I mean not for a while <laughs> yeah yeah. So is there anything else that you would put out there as advice to any mother who is, you know, either pregnant now, looking to get pregnant, looking forward into their labor and delivery, uh, any advice that you would give to them? Um, I would just say be prepared to be surprised. Ooh. Um, I, like I said, I think, I think that was like a theme over mm-hmm. the course of my labor and delivery process where I was prepared. Like I, you know, I learned all that I could learn and like I, you know, did the classes and I like practiced the positions and I, and I like thought I had this like plan in mind and I'm glad I did that. But I would also say like, you're going to be surprised. Mm-hmm. It, you can't plan your birth like minute to minute or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like you just have to go with the flow and like, it's really like the ultimate experience of like mindfulness where you just have to like live in the moment and do what you want to do in the moment. Absolutely. So, you know, do all the prep work you can, but be prepared to just let things happen. 
I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. I think, I, and I think that that's also going to help you be happy with your birth experience no matter what happens during it. I agree. Yeah, just keeping yeah. that open mind and just knowing that things are probably going to change at some point. So just keep it open. Exactly. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your birth story and Kate's story of coming into the world. It was amazing to get to hear it from your perspective and kind of what was going on in the, the pandemic world and in your world. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. It's one of those things you, you never forget, and it's, it's fun to share the details. Thanks so much for everyone listening at home as well, and we'll see you back for episode three. Hey, Panda family. Thank you for listening. For episode updates and more, you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is at Panda Babes Podcast. That's P-A-N-D-E-B-A-B-E-S p-o-d-c-a-s-t or you can email us at pandababespodcast at gmail.com i would also love it if you could rate and review the show on whichever app you're currently streaming so other listeners can find the panda babes podcast too see you next week